And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this uh, last day of June, June the 30th, 2018. I'll be flying solo. That is me, Stan the Fan. Craig Heist is out on another assignment with Masson, replacing Phil Wood, who has had some surgery. And we wish Phil a complete and speedy recovery. Looks like we're going to lose Craig Heist, though, for the better part of a month. I guess it just wasn't meant to be that Craig and I would work together regularly this summer, the train wreck season of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, in studio with me, though, is young uh, Brittany Everett, and she'll be talking uh, with us as well from time to time during the show. And here's what we've got on the show today. I've elected to do something a little bit different. Usually we try to Usually we try to, now, great, uh, just as soon as the show started, this thing's not working. Oh, brother. All right, hold on a second. Uh, Usually we try and get uh, some big-name guests on the show, and um, I'm about to have a meltdown today already. I am not in a very good mood. Anyway, we will, um, so you took that out. Now, I would just take that out. Take that out, okay? And we're going to – it's out now. Now I'll turn the Wi-Fi back on and go to slow Wi-Fi, which is better than – which is better than nothing. Um, Anyway, what I've elected to do is we normally try and get as many guests from around the country as we can and leading figures, uh, baseball writers, broadcasters, scouts, uh, former executives. Uh, Today – What I've done is a common purpose uh, of five people that care deeply about the Baltimore Orioles who are in the midst of, let's be blunt about it, they are in the midst of a an absolutely train wreck season this summer of 2018. The Orioles are, what are they now, Brittany? 23 and 58. That sounds that sounds about right. Yeah. And the bottom line is, through their last 104 games, dating back to the last 23 games of last year, when they went 4-19, and 19, maybe you can help me do the math. I think it's 28, because I can't get on my computer now, uh, as luck would have it. But uh, the, the Orioles have played 104 games and won 27 games. They are... 50 games under 500. They are 27. I remember this now because I did it last night on the um, uh, after bird watching program. The Orioles are 27 and 77 over the last 104 games. That's that's absolutely astounding, um, astoundingly poor baseball. Uh, this is more than just uh, uh, the hitters are in a slump. The pitchers. Uh, this is over two. Uh, you know, chunks of two seasons. Admittedly, half of the nineteen, uh, the two thousand and eighteen season, and a twenty-five game swath of the two thousand seventeen season. But this is different pitchers, some different players, 
Um, the common factors are uh, ownership, management, and field manager. Field manager. Okay, those are the commonalities. Uh, yes, there's a, a lot of commonalities in the baseball lineup, uh, the the daily lineup of the Orioles. They're going to throw at you Davis, Trumbo, Machado, Adam Jones. Um, those are the key four. Trey Mancini is five. Uh, those are five regular pieces of this. Mark Trumbo would be a sixth. And, yes, a couple of them have been hurt for good chunks of the season. Mark Trumbo was hurt for a good chunk of the season. Jonathan Scope was hurt for a good part of the season. Uh, go to the bullpen. Two key cogs in the bullpen. Zach Britton missed, uh, what, the first uh, – they've played um, – uh, they're, tw- they're 23 and 57. 23 and 58. 23 and 58. So that's how many games? 23 and 58. It's 80 games. It's 80 games. Uh, 81 games, right? 81. 81 games. I'd say Zach Britton missed probably 60, 67, 68 games where he was unavailable. Darren O'Day has been unavailable for much of the 81 games. I'll bet he's been available for 25 or 30 of those games max this year. He has now been moved to the 60-day disabled list, which means that um, – and Buck made this uh, this point in his postgame presser last night, which is one of the reasons it's so painful to watch. We're going to get Darren back. Really? That's really going to excite the fan base that they're getting Darren O'Day back? Uh, to be overpaid for a, a, um, the last month of the season and another year on his contract. Um, I mean, there's a lot of bad going on in Birdland. There's no question about it. And uh, I think the fans have have exhausted their patience in waiting to hear uh, about what is next. And yet, we're not sure whether we're going to hear what is next. Um, we are in the midst of sort of a, um, a death watch uh, of sorts, which is the death of a few key Orioles over the last five, six years. That is Manny Machado. That is Zach Britton and maybe Brad Brock. And Adam Jones is a possibility. I think you can throw out any idea that the Orioles would successfully be able to deal Mark Trumbo with $13 million left next year. And about seven and a half million or seven million left on this year's contract. That no team is uh, going to pick up a twenty million dollar add on and give you something significant. So that's that's pretty much meaningless. The idea of Darren O'Day getting traded, forget that. That ain't going to happen. We are stuck with uh, the remaining twelve million dollars we have on Darren's contract, and he's not even going to be around to uh, help out. Uh, for the next two months. Uh, and then Richard Blyer, one of the key figures. Uh, there are some that said, boy, the Orioles should have tried to trade him when he was high on the, you know, this is a guy probably making $750,000 to a million dollars this season. Um, those are not the guys you really want to trade. Those are a little bit of the pieces you'd like to build around for, for next season. So that's where the Orioles are right now. Uh, Zach Britton, I left him out, I'm sorry. Zach Britton, uh, of course, probably the most tradable chip that the club has aside from Manny Machado. Uh, but uh, the notion you're going to get much for Zach Britton right now, where once, and again, I don't know the particulars of the deal that they turned down from the Astros last year, uh, but 
Uh, certainly, there was a lot more buzz about Zach Britton at this time last year than there figures to be right now. Unless we're at June 30th, over the next two weeks, he throws five or six appearances of pretty much shutout ball. Maybe we got room to let up one run, uh, but let's say six innings, maybe strikes out seven or eight batters, gives up three, four hits, um, walks nobody. That doesn't look like the Zach Britton we're seeing right now. It doesn't look at all like that. So uh, the Orioles have their work cut out for themselves, and we've got our work cut out for ourselves this program. We're going to talk to Rich Dubroff, who does cover them uh, professionally for the uh, for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. After uh, Rich Dubroff, we're going to talk to Adam Gladstone, a Baltimorean, former minor league umpire, uh, former baseball executive, minor league baseball executive, still has his feet in the game as assistant general manager of Team Israel in the World uh, Baseball Classic, uh, and also a former video assist or video review person for the Baltimore Orioles. He's a lifelong uh, baseball fan and a lifelong Orioles fan. Adam Gladstone will join us at 1045. Then uh, he came in a couple weeks ago to co-host the show uh, for the first hour, Andrew Stetka. Uh, son of uh, Orioles former PR director Bill Stetka, who's head of alumni affairs for the Orioles. Andrew writes for Masson. He also writes for um, the Utah, uh, excuse me, the, uh, yes, Utah Street Report. Uh, Section 336, our partner over there in the podcast world, Josh Soroka, the lead 336er, and no offense to Matt or Burt, his brother and brother-in-law, but Josh Soroka will chime in as well. And then we'll head out west to uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, retired uh, sports writer and news writer Michael Janofsky, uh, who uh, re- refound the love of the Orioles about four years ago. Uh, he's written about it for Press Box. Um, he follows the Orioles like nobody on the West Coast. He will chime in, give us um, his take on how the Orioles can begin to begin again, and that's what they need to do. Um, I'm going to do this because if I am without my computer, uh, I'm in a, um, a world of trouble, and I'm going to take a quick timeout, and even if it's to play promo or something like that, play a couple minutes, and we will be back on the bat around. Rich Dubroff is going to join us at 1020 I'm going to try and get my computer fired up correctly, and then we'll be right back, okay? Get red, white, and blue savings on over 1,300 new and used Toyotas and Chevrolets at Jerry's Auto Group with savings up to an explosive $15,000. Plus, 0% financing is still available on many new models. So put down that sparkler and hot dog and visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road, Jerry's Chevrolet on Joppa Road, and online at jerrysitsaboutyou.com. Special financing with approved credit. Savings vary by model. Sale ends July 9th. 
Join the Ironbirds for Maryland Sports Weekend, July 20th through 22nd. On Friday the 20th, the club will recognize baseball's Ironman, hometown hero Cal Ripken Jr. Saturday, July 21st, members of the 1983 World Championship team will be in Aberdeen along with the World Series trophy. The attention flips to football on Sunday, July 22nd when the Super Bowl trophy, Poe, and Ravens cheerleaders travel up I-95 to the ballpark. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Rory's Story Cubes is the original that started the Story Cube movement and inspired creativity and storytelling across the globe. And they come with every Chick-fil-A kids meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Chick-fil-A kids meals are all around $5, including the kids' chicken strips, kids' nuggets, and kids' grilled nuggets. Text the family right now and announce that it's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square tonight. That's at 5198 Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham. Tell them that Glenn and Kyle said hi. And we are back. Join the Ironbirds for Maryland Sports Weekend, July 20th, 21st, and 22nd. On Friday, July the 20th, the club will recognize baseball's Ironman hometown hero, Cal Ripken Jr., on Saturday, July 21st, members of the 1983 World Championship team will be in Aberdeen along with the World Series trophy. The attention flips to football on Sunday, July 22nd, when the Super Bowl trophy, Poe, and the Ravens cheerleaders travel up I-95 to the ballpark. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. All right, stand the fan back here. We're still a few moments away from... Uh, being joined by Rich Dubroff on the show. Adam Gladstone will join us. Andrew Stetka, Josh Soroka, Michael Janowski. We'll try and find out from uh, all five of these folks uh, what the Orioles need to do to begin to turn things around. Um, you know, we saw a couple things this week. I mean, uh, Jimmy Iacobonis Looked fairly decent. Uh, you know, the numbers are not going to be anything fantastic. I think he allowed two earned runs in four and two-thirds innings for his first major league start. Uh, that's an earned run average of well over four. Uh, but he was impressive. And then Jeffrey Ramirez came in. Uh, this is a guy that uh, is considered kind of a tweener uh, pitcher, uh, but he's somebody we picked up from the Yankees last year from Trenton. And uh, combined last year between Trenton and Bowie, I think Jeffrey was 15-3. and three. I think those were his numbers last year uh, as a starting pitcher. He threw five brilliant innings of relief against Seattle Mariners on Thursday afternoon, uh, shutting them down. But uh, the Orioles has, has been their um, uh, M.O. this season. They seem to find a way. Uh, to lose. I uh, pointed this out on after bird watching last night. The Orioles in early June went up, the, you know, and things were bleak already, uh, but they went up to New York and they played a team that things were turning pretty bleak for uh, in a hurry, and that was the New York Mets. 
And if you remember, the Orioles went up there on Tuesday and Wednesday and swept the New York Mets by a combined total, I think, of 3-1 to one or 3-2, to two, something like that. The Orioles didn't score much, but uh, their pitching shined up there. I think Cobb pitched one of those games, and I think Bundy pitched the other game. Whatever it was, we got out of New York with a mini head of steam, and we were going north of the border to play a Toronto Blues, Blue Jays team that had lost 17 of their last 22 games. They were 5-17 and 17 of their last 22 games, and the Orioles played them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Do you remember what happened? 0 for 4 for the Orioles. They got swept by the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, the Orioles appeared to have a little head of steam going for a six-game period where they went toe-to-toe with two of the leading teams in the National League East. The Orioles went 1-2 and against the Nationals over in D.C., then went into Atlanta and actually beat the Braves, the first-place team in the National League East, two out of three. And things, things looked like... They were there was a little glimmer of hope that maybe finally with Scope and Trumbo and Chris Davis starting to contribute all of a sudden and the improved starting pitching that we keep talking about that isn't all that improved, but there was a little glimmer of hope. We came home to play, admittedly, one of the tougher teams in baseball, probably in my MLB power rankings, they've been number four for about five weeks now, the Seattle Mariners. We played them pretty tough in three of the four games, but found a way to lose each and every one of those games. We got swept by Seattle. I'm not comparing that to getting swept by Toronto because Seattle was a a team that, while they had been pretty cold for their last seven or eight games, uh, they were still a formidable opponent. But in come the Angels, a slumping uh, team that is in a lot of ways more banged up than the Orioles, uh, they're kind of a ragtag bunch right now. Their pitching isn't very good. Albert Pujols looks to be about 55 years old, uh, although we know he's about 36 and still has about three more years of that humongous contract with the Angels. But anyway, they come into town and they have Mike Trout, arguably the best player on the planet. But what are what is their record? In their last 17 games, they're 4-13. and 13. Perfect time for the Orioles, who have been playing better baseball until Thursday. Um, actually, Thursday they were pretty. Cl- Thursday afternoon was the close game, wasn't it? Thursday afternoon. Uh, Thursday it was two to four. No, loss. Four to two. Four, four, four to two, two loss, loss against the Mariners. Okay, that was a close game. I think we played three of the four of those games very tough against the Mariners. Anyway. Would come in, the Angels come to town 4-13 and 13, their last 17 games. One of the coldest teams in baseball. Down in the, in the range of the Orioles and the Royals in terms of the last 20 games or so. What do they do? The Orioles get, they get bitch slapped 7-1 by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So, um, you know, any glimmer of hope appears to have uh, glimmed, uh, glimmed out and dimmed out rather quickly. The Orioles will face the, um, the Orioles will face the Angels. The Orioles will face the Angels uh, today at 4:05. They will face the Angels tomorrow at 1:05. Um, and uh, we will talk with Rich Dubroff about a season that has gone from 
from bad to, uh, in some ways, worse. Uh, joining us now on our um, press box hotline on the bat around is Rich Dubroff. Rich, thank you for coming in. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, Stan. Rich, uh, you always said that on every interview we've ever done over the last couple of years. Uh, is it still a pleasure to follow the team and talk about the team? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, you know, w- talking about oh, you know, the the hitting and and the losses, but you know, uh, may not be because people come up to you all the time and say, "Oh, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with them?" Here's my theory, and but but it's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm fascinated. What's coming next? Uh, I think that's the uh, I, I think that's that's what keeps me going. Uh, so let me ask you, I decided today because Craig Heist is not here and I didn't have his usual Rolodex, I kind of midweek, uh, he's sitting in for Phil Wood, who's recovering from surgery and we wish our friend Phil Wood a speedy recovery. Uh, but Craig probably won't be here for the next three weeks. So I put together a show quickly today that includes you who really covers the team, Adam Gladstone, Andrew Stetka, Josh Soroka, and Michael Janowski. All people. Yeah, I don't know if I can stand. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I belong with those names. Uh, you belong at the top of those names. That's why you're on first. That's why you're the leadoff hitter. But seriously, it's five people that care deeply about the product, and I I would imagine all five of these people, including yourself, are somewhat mystified. Now I know the Baltimore sure. Sun. I know the Sun did a piece last Sunday uh, on what the hell happened and how did it happen. Rich, in your estimation, and you're a pretty middle of the road in terms of practicality goes, how many wins did you think the ball club would have this year? 73 to 75? Well, well actually, when I was asked, I, 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 think I, I think I was a little too optimistic. I said 80, and I, I, noticed on the, uh, I noticed on the list I was the most conservative. Right. I, I know um, I, but, yeah, I mean, before – before they got Cobb, I was thinking in the in the seventy in that in that range, and then after I got Cobb, because I'm a huge Cobb fan, right? Uh, I thought, oh, it was good enough to to maybe come close to five hundred. I didn't think that they would be five hundred, but I thought that they could come close oh. and, and be somewhat entertaining. And you know, and, and obviously, I was dreadfully wrong here. If you had to guess, uh, not guess, if you would put your thinking cap on, is the Cobb performance in some ways the most mystifying of any? I mean, I'm not saying he was no. number one. No, the most mystifying is Jonathan Scope. Okay. How is how is this all-star second baseman, the most valuable player on the team, who played throughout last year, um, how is he batting 197? How that 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 to me is that is the that is the most mystifying of uh, of anything. You know, I kept saying early in the year when he was out uh, with in, with injuries, and they went three and seventeen without him. Right. I said, look, look how valuable he is. Mm-hmm. They're going. They're, they're three and seventeen without him. And then, sure enough, he came back, and they and they played well for. That's when they played well for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but to see him. Hit like this is just, you know, almost beyond the realm of my conception, Stan. That, that, in all the, of all the mystifications, that would be the first. And then Mancini. 
Uh, so you got Cobb down. Sa- you know, Mancini uh, would be the second. You have Cobb as no better than the number three mystifier. Well, because it's it's you you can explain away in a lot of ways um, missing spring training, screwing you know yep. screwing them up because that 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 one can be easy that one can be easily explained away. Though you know he's had a couple of good you know he's had a couple of good performances, and I think he really is a you know I think he really is a good pitcher. Yeah, I do but too. The number of hits he gives up it's has ast- been it's uh, astounding. You know, it's I think astounding. it's what. Six times this year, he's given up uh, ten or more hits. Yeah, that's not the Alex. That's not the Alex Cobb. And you know, we can debate that if you, you know, if an analytics person looked at his numbers, they may have said, "Boy, the Orioles really overpaid for him. Shouldn't have given him a four-year deal." But this was a guy who especially was good against the American League East teams. Yes, uh, and, I mean that's what you know. When you look at pitchers, most free agent pitchers don't want to pitch in the American League, right? Because it's because you have an extra hitter, uh, you have some small ballparks. Uh, but here was a guy who had pitched his six years in the American League East, uh, you know, against the Yankees, against the Red Sox, against the Blue Jays, and he was coming to the Orioles. I thought, well, you know, all winter long, I said. If I could pick one free agent, realistically, one free agent pitcher to come to the Orioles, it would be Alex Cobb. Yep. So uh, and th- we, that's what happened. We didn't realize we were getting the second coming of Chris Tillman. Now, speaking of... Well, you know, and, and he still may be good. You know, this still could turn out to be an okay deal for, no, I, you know, the next three, you know, the next I, three and a half. I years. still I still think it will be. I'm I'm not sour on that. I'm really... That's why... I'm more mystified by that even than Jonathan, but I, but I agree with you that Jonathan's at the top of the list. Let me ask you a question. I used the name Chris, and I, I was speaking of Tillman, but I wanted to talk about the other Chris, which I know you never get tired of talking about, Chris Davis. There oh, is, I thought you meant Chris Hoyles. No. <laughs> there is actually, and by the way, congratulations to Chris Hoyles and, um, uh, and Dana, uh, his ex-wife, and uh, their son, uh, Dalton Hoyles has signed a contract and will start his pro career with the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and we wish him well. We wish him well. Yes, and I know you know Chris and his ex-wife Dana are both, um, you know, both both are very very excited about that. Yes, they are, and they put a lot of time and energy into Dalton's career. And let's hope he, he hits the ground running. Let's hope so. Yes. Uh, but the Chris I'm talking about is no, none other than Chris Davis. Uh, one of the more bizarre situations I've ever seen, those eight days where he sat and didn't play, didn't pinch it, didn't come in defensively or anything, um, and sat and sat, and you go, boy, this has got a chance to be a disaster when he gets back. Now, while the needle hasn't moved on the batting average, we've seen a little glimpse of Chris Davis. Um, Your thoughts? Well, there need to there needs to be more than a glimpse of Chris Davis. Yeah, there needs to be a very long look at Chris Davis. But as I've expressed to you before, with four and a half years left on on this mammoth contract, they need to do whatever they can to get something out of it. Yep, they need to give it every chance they can to see if this, you know, if they can get even a minimal investment uh out of it we know it's a bad you know people can 
yell and scream, oh, it's a bad contract. Well, we know it's a bad, we know it's a bad contract, but uh, they're not just going to wash their hands of it right now, nor really should they. Right. Because let's just see, you know, let's, let's see if, you know, the, for the rest of this season, he can, uh, you know, he can get out of this funk. Do you, do you, you have know, any... It's just interesting here. Yeah. Well, you know, he's barely batting over 150. Right. But he's hit. But he's hit what, what three he, what home he, runs in the. He's hit three or four home runs in the last week, and he's driven in like ten runs over the last week. Right. He's got eight home. You know, he's got eight home runs this year. Yep. Um, okay. If Chris Davis for the rest of the year ends up with twenty home runs and a one eighty batting average, you might say, "Oh, Davis is closer to being back." Yes, exactly. Because he's in such a because. Because the 150 average is uh, is so bad that if he batted 250, right, for, for the rest of the season, he'll, well, he'll he raise it to 180. Yep, exactly, exactly. So it's uh, it, it is it is another it is another mystifying. Yeah, uh, I mean, we could again, we could argue that that was a bad contract till the cows come home. And I, I was, I, I got to be honest, I was all in favor of them re-signing Chris, but it was more like a five-year deal at eighteen million. I didn't know if it would be enough, but I was in the hundred and ten million dollar range, not the. It turned out it was Stan. It turned out it was too much. Yeah, it was too much. It's too much, Davis. Uh, let's talk uh, the next most interesting thing. And here's where you get, uh, in the hockey parlance, some puck luck. The Orioles have had very poor luck with some of their movable pieces. And namely, I'm talking about Darren O'Day and Zach Britton, uh, two of the chips that I thought had a chance if both were pitching well, that rich teams that had a chance to win a World Series would have fallen over each other to get those two guys they're they're almost worthless right now, aren't they? I mean, Britain probably no, Britain no, probably has all. some value. Let's let's take the two. Let's take the two of them. Okay. Let's take them individually. First of all, you can't group O'Day with Britain because O'Day has another year beyond this one right. on his contract, and it's a very uh, rich contract for you know a non closer. And uh, he's there's a lot of deferred money, and there's a lot of deferred money involved. Mm-hmm. And he had, you know, he has the right to, uh, uh, as a ten and five guy, to veto any place he was going. Right. So the chances of him being traded this year without the injury still were very, very, were very, very slim. Okay. Because uh, teams could go elsewhere, like you know, they, like for Brad Brock, instead. Britain, uh, I spoke to two scouts who have uh, watched him mm-hmm. uh, and are watching him all the time. And both of them said that they felt that there was nothing uh, to worry about with Britain. That this is basically his spring training, and they have, that they, there is no uh, slippage in interest on their part in, in trying to acquire him. All right, then I, I stand corrected from at least those two scouts' points of view. But you would agree that by July the fifteenth, and we're just about July first tomorrow. He's probably going to get five to seven appearances in those two weeks um, somehow, well, some we're way. Be, he's, the prob, a lot of the problem is, Stan, he, the, team is, the team's so bad that he hasn't had the 
Well, he, but, he you, but ha- if you're, he hasn't yeah. had and maybe won't have the opportunity. But Rich, but in, Rich, if you've got the opportunity to trade somebody, then you'll find a way to get him into oh, yeah. games. Okay, but still, so, it's not the way that most teams, you know, a good I, team would would use him. I understand that. I understand they're not going to use him if they're behind or ahead by eight runs. They're, they want him to be in tight games. But I think the more important thing with the Orioles is to create value there. And I'm saying he's going to pitch by the 15th of July. He's going to pitch another six or seven innings somehow, some way. And I think it's important that he does well in those next six or seven. Yes, I mean he's going to have. But still, even if he, even if he's not quite that good, last year, you know, he didn't. If, if you remember, he hadn't come back yet yep. until after now. Yep. He didn't come back until. You know, July fourth or something. So I, 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 mean, I think it was July fifth. I think it was July fifth, and he still was able to. Um, and he didn't. And he didn't even pitch in save situations for his first. I think his first eight appearances, and then he still was able to create enough value for teams to be interested in him. Yep. And this was not an arm injury. Last year was an arm injury. Mm-hmm. This is not an arm injury that he's uh, that he's coming back from. So I, I don't think that. Uh, so you ex- is, you fully expect the Orioles right now, to find worry. you fully expect the Orioles to find a trading partner for Zach. Well, I would think that they should. I would. I, it, it's in their best interest too, okay. because uh, you know he's not coming back next year. You don't see any way though that they top what they could, and we don't know the players. But do you see them getting a package that could remotely be close to what they got could have gotten last year? No. Okay. All right. Uh, so I get back to my main point was that they got very unlucky with him. They also got somewhat unlucky with Brad Brock's performance this year. I mean, this is a guy who's been, uh, love him or not, as a closer, this is a guy who's been pretty steady Eddie for five years with the Orioles, and suddenly this year is the year that he's pitching for his next contract. And again, I point out that Tommy Hunter after what he went through for the last couple of years, got a two-year, $18 million contract from the Phillies. So somebody will pay for Brad as a free agent this offseason, but in terms of Orioles' trade value for him, he's down a little bit, isn't he? Yes, but not, dram- yes, but not dramatically. Because, you know, he, he had, at, in April, he, he stumbled a lot. And then mm-hmm. he had a really good May, you know, he had a really good May in, and beginning of June, uh, and he's had a couple of appearances that weren't um, bad. But I spoke actually to those same scouts, and both of them thought that he, you know, both of them thought that he had value because he's not really considered, you know, a top shelf closer. He's not going to have the value right. that Britain has, and and I don't know that he would bring back very much. We're talking with Rich Dubroff, who covers the Orioles like nobody's business for um, PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Let's get to the two big cheese. Do you expect the team to really field offers and be able to go to Adam Jones and say, hey, Adam, we've been offered a pretty good package for you. Uh, we're going to deal you to this contender. Uh, will you accept it? Do you expect it to come to that, or you don't think so? That's the hard, that you know. That's the hardest one of all, Stan. Yeah, I mean, I think that he would want to play for a contender for the last couple of months. I do, but too. I don't know that somebody's going to give them. 
you know, that somebody's going to give them very much for him. Because, he, you know, it's a, it's a rental. Uh, you know, he's had a good season. You know, he's had a good, you know, pretty good season. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the sliding scale, he's, uh, he's done pretty well. You know, he's done pretty well. So, uh, you know, I, I think it would be a huge loss, actually, for the Orioles to, to have him walk out that door. Would there but, be a possibility, Rich, if he were to walk out the door for you know late July, August, and September, that like Mike Bordick, that the club would would sort of entertain? Or do you think if he does get traded, they automatically move on from him? I, I think that uh, I I would think that there would not be a great market for Adam right in the off season. You know. It's going to be sad for me personally and professionally mm-hmm. when he leaves because he means there, there's a lot. He means a lot to the team no in a question. lot of ways that I think aren't really understood. Yep. Of course, he means a lot on the field because he busts his butt, you know, every day, and he and he's charismatic and and, and fans love him. But you know. The Orioles have had relatively few African American stars over the years. Yep. And you know when I, and you like to talk about how I look for jerseys and stuff. And when I'm out looking, you know, walking on the on the concourses before the game sometimes, and I see the number of African American fans wearing Jones jerseys. Yep. He does. He does I, mean I think a lot. That this is very. You know, that this is this is an important fan base in Baltimore that's not appreciated and not talked about. And while, you know, Adam Jones can't be an Oriole forever, I, I think that that's something that uh, should not be overlooked. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And you're, you're right. When we do go out uh, either together or separately and look for those jerseys for Jersey of the Night, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll plug that in a minute, but Rich has been doing something for, what, five seasons now, Rich? Yes. Uh, Jersey of the night, he asks fans that go out to the game to either tweet to him with a picture uh, at Rich at uh, at Rich Dubroff MLB, right? Right, you are. Stan. All right, at Rich Dubroff MLB, tweet a picture of you. It has to be a former Oriole jersey. Um, the player didn't have to wear the jersey, but it has to be a jersey. When we do look for those, Rich, other than Frank Robinson and Eddie Murray, you're absolutely right. It's pretty much a, a parade of white men. Yeah, um, you know, wh- one of the great, one of the sort of underrated um, people who fit into that category was Eric Davis. Yes, he really connect Eric Davis and his, you know, brief time with the Orioles for a number of reasons really connected with the fans. And I've never seen, I don't think I've seen an Eric Davis jersey. No, I I think I may have seen one before I, I you were even doing this, uh, but they're few and far between. Again, I know it was like uh, the the gorillas in the mist, uh, but uh, one one afternoon, I know you had just released your jersey of the day, and it was a it was a four o'clock game like today on a Saturday, and I saw a. An African American guy, incredibly well built, probably in his late fifties, early sixties, wearing a number eighteen Kelly 
jersey, and of course that's the late Pat Kelly, who was a half-brother to the former Cleveland Browns running back, Leroy Kelly, and I said, I'll bet that's Leroy Kelly, and I don't know why I didn't go down and, and find that out, but I took pictures of it, uh, but we had already put up, you had already put up your jersey of the day, and, um, and I never saw that guy again, and I've never seen anybody with a Pat Kelly jersey again. We're talking with well, Rich. We'll, we'll, we'll keep looking. We'll keep looking. We'll keep looking. Um, and the one that we're mystified by is Ken Singleton, that we can't find. That's one of the ones. Yep. That you know, you also, the ap- generally, the absence of Frank Robinson jerseys. Yep. They're you know, uh, for a guy who, who means so much to Orioles history, there are relatively few uh, Frank Robinson. And, and Mike, you know, never see Mike Boddicker. Yep. Uh, almost never see Mike Cuellar. Never seen Sidney Ponson. Ponson's uh, one. Uh, Ponson is one that really is kind of uh, strange because he was only. I mean, he was here for about five years, six years, uh, but he it wasn't that long ago. You know, uh, Frank Robinson. You could say. No, and I had a Bruce. Chen, I had a Bruce Chen the other day, and he uh, was sort of from that era. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, we're talking Rich Dubroff. Rich. Um, before we let you go, let's. Uh, I, I, we haven't even touched on Machado. We can save that for next week if you're on with me. But let's let's talk for a minute or two about some of these uh, names that are beginning to pop up. Steve Wilkerson, the infielder, um, the yo-yoing of the catchers with Wins and Joseph and Cisco, uh, Suzak, and a couple of these other pitchers that have come up of late this week. What do you make of of this eight or ten people that have started to percolate up here at the major league level? Can you see any pieces that could help the Orioles as they start a rebuild of sorts? Well, I, I mean, I think a lot of these guys may be the guys to get to the next guys. Right. You know, uh, my, uh, Meisinger is not a, uh, you know, he was not co- certainly not considered a, a top prospect. I mean, it's a good story because he's Mar- he's a Marylander. He's from Southern Maryland. I mm-hmm. don't know if the Orioles have had they've had twenty four Marylanders play for the team. I don't know if any besides him were from Southern Maryland. Uh, but he, uh, you know, he's an he's an interesting story. Yep. Uh, Wilkerson is somebody who is bred to be a utility guy. Yeah, I mean, he's the new and Ryan. They want, you know, he's probably the new Ryan. The way, the way the rosters are constructed now with more and more teams going to 13 pitchers, you know, you need guys uh, who are, uh, you know, who are versatile. And they have two of them now in Jace Peterson and Wilkerson, guys who can play uh, a, mul- a multitude of positions. And those kinds of guys are going to be very valuable guys like you know Ryan Flaherty and and the you know and these guys. Right. So I, I think in, in big picture, the days of the you know the days of the one dimensional uh, hitter uh, or DH of Pedro Alvarez, I think are probably gone. Yeah. With these kinds of uh, you know with these kinds of moves, unless they uh, unless they come to their senses and. Uh, make the rosters bigger. All right. What about uh, in wrapping you'll, up? You'll see more and more of these kinds of guys. In wrapping up, what about the two pitchers that we saw against the Mariners the other day, Yacobonis and Jeffrey Ramirez? Well, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Yacobonis and Jeffrey Ramirez are both going to be, uh, are, are both going to go back to 
Norfolk and start. The Orioles will have a, a doubleheader against the Yankees uh, Monday the 9th, and one of those pitchers will be in line to be uh, to uh, to start one of the to start one of those games uh, as a twenty as a twenty sixth man. But you know the Orioles don't have a lot of starters in the minors, and those are uh, those are two of the best for, uh, that they have. You know, people uh, scouts I've talked to have uh, uh, pegged Ramirez as, as maybe a fifth starter or a long reliever type, but you know that. They need depth, especially with Blyer and um, you know O'Day gone for the season, and the likelihood that Brock and Britain won't be here, you know, more than another month. All so right. So I think they're going to need, uh, you know, they're going to need guys like that. All right. He's Rich Dubroff, and Rich, I got to give you a compliment. You you know you were late into this game of being a beat writer. You are a pros pro, my friend. You really are. Do a, a All right. Well, my pleasure. Job. Thank you. Thank you, Stan. And it's always a always a pleasure to, to talk to you. And uh, I'll see you out at the, you the last few today. days in the uh, press box. I'll see you out there in the kind press of sad, box. kind of sad for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. But uh, we uh, we look forward to having you back. All right. Thank you very much, Rich Dubroff. All right. There you go. Uh, by the way, uh, Rich was alluding to some sadness. Uh, I I had a uh, personal <clears throat> bit of. Uh, Saurus, as they say in Yiddish, uh, we put a, a beloved dog to sleep uh, the other day, and uh, my wife and I are really uh, down in the dumps about that. It's amazing how animals really capture our lives and uh, capture our hearts. But um, a staggering uh, byproduct of the um, Annapolis Gazette shooting is yesterday <clears throat> I found out that uh, our first office manager Rebecca Smith, uh, and I did not remember the name readily. I mean, I, I remember her very well, but she was our first office manager here. At, in no way, shape, or form would I have placed her at the Annapolis Gazette, but apparently she started recently there and was uh, gunned down in a senseless tragedy, and uh, <coughs> along with the other four, uh, really uh, terribly uh, heartbroken at that. Uh, Get a free sports physical and see Cal Ripken Jr. at the LifeBridge Health Sports Training Fair on July the 10th. Athletes can get a sports eye screening, participate in sports-specific drills, and see the latest in protective equipment. Visit LifeBridgeHealth.org slash sport event to learn more. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for 
for 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Stan the Fan back here with the bat around uh, for a Saturday morning. Uh, by the way, I will not be doing an after bird watching today. All right, I know that breaks everybody's heart, but uh, sometimes uh, true life uh, comes in the way of things. And uh, my wife is back in town. Good friend of hers coming in, so we're going to do dinner after the game tonight. Uh, we'll hopefully be back tomorrow afternoon, though, I anticipate. Uh, and I thank my friends at ThompsonAutomotive.com, uh, the whole entire Thompson Automotive Group, for sponsoring after bird watching all summer long. We're doing over 100 after bird watchings. All right, joining us right now from uh, a, a place that uh, I hope he's got plenty of sunscreen on, uh, joining us now is Adam Gladstone down at the beach, down the ocean. How are you, Adam? I, I, I couldn't ask for a better day, you know, to be able to talk to you guys and just uh, I wish you guys could see what I could see right now. You could probably make things a little bit easier instead of watching uh, watching the club play the way they have the past uh, so, all, all so, season. So what exactly, uh, you're a married man with kids, what exactly are you watching down there? Just the, the, the I am the, not going to incriminate myself by telling you what I'm watching right all now. All right. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, let's talk about something that's uh, vastly different, and that's the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, decided to do a show today. I mean, uh, Rich Dubroff is on every week, and I know he cares passionately about the Orioles, but he's an objective uh, beat writer. Uh, the rest of my guests, including yourself, Andrew Stetka, Josh Soroka, Michael Janowski, are kind of more in what I would call Oriole fan base, even though you're a baseball professional. Uh where do you think you start with uh, trying to fix what ails this team? Well, I can only go off of what the experience that I had, the only time in the game when I was actually fired because I was part of an, a club that I put together that wasn't successful back in 2009, coming off a playoff run uh, for the York Revolution. Mm -hmm. I had a pretty good nucleus, and everything that we did right in 2008 was incorrect in 2009, and, and uh, Chris Hoyles and I made it through three-quarters of the way of the season, and then ownership felt at that point that what we had done for the first couple years of, the, of that organization wasn't good enough to, uh, to continue on, and they made a decision and, and you know, really changed it from, from the top down. And, and, and I, you know, look, I understand that the Angelos family is very passionate uh, about the team and about the team that they put out there. But in order for something that's as drastic that has occurred um, for the, the latter part of last year and, and all of this season, there do need to be some major changes. And, and I, would, I just hope that the ownership group either puts someone in place that can make those changes or um, and, 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 and honestly needs to bring some new life in in a lot of different areas. One of the things, Stan, that you and I have talked about for years is if you take the roster of the front office of the Baltimore Orioles and you compare the front office roster to any other of the 29 major league organizations, you are going to see a roster of front office personnel that is very small compared to the average major league organization. Yep. And I think that what has happened is you have too many people that you have not, a, you have, how do I say this? You have 
less amount of people with more opinion right. because they're obligated to taking on to multitasking. And I think that eventually that's what's happened in this organization. And, and you've got, you know, you certainly have Dan and you certainly have Buck, and, and you can't lose sight of the fact of what those guys accomplished when they came in here. You know, they, they did make baseball relevant again here in Baltimore on the tail end of what Andy McPhail had started. But now you've got a situation where, you know what, it's time for a, a change. And it's probably not going to happen first at the ownership level. It's going to have to, it's going to be the trickle down effect because it's the golden rule. They've yeah. got the gold, so they rule. So, you know, Let probably Dan ends up, you would think, uh, being moved. Um, Buck is certainly a question mark right now. Um, do I think Buck could be successful in some areas of the organization? Yes. Yeah. But does it make sense for him to continue on as manager? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, there are not many managers, and both both you and I both have a great deal of respect for what who Buck is, what he's accomplished in his career, but there aren't many of those people that survive a stretch of 27 and 77, which is what this team now is from about September 5th or 6th last year. That's their record, 50 games under 500. Yeah, and I think if Buck was sitting in a, in a different role and he had a manager that was working for him, I think he would say, hey, you yep. know what? It, it might make sense for us to, to make a move. And you know, I, But I think that the fact that no moves have been made really anywhere within the organization, as far as we know, yep. I think that's the telltale sign of the answers and the direction that the organization is getting from the top down is not working. And there, there's, there seems to be a disconnect. Let me, that's why the club is in the situation that they're in. Let me ask you a question. When you, when you said that, if you sort of put the, the Oriole front office blueprint on top of other teams or, or underneath, and you'd see how, how many extra names are we talking about? I mean, are they five short? Are they 15 short? Uh, well, I'd say a good 15. Easy. Yeah. So you're a good 15 easy in, in all levels of yes. the operation. You're talking about scouting and analytics and those those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, you take a you take a GM and and you know Dan Duquette for all intents and purposes is the general manager. Sure. Any major league general managers have three or four special assistants that report to him. Right. You know, there's three or four names right there that the, the Orioles don't have. Yep. So. You know, then you take the scouting department and, and, you know, you take your amateur scouting and your pro scouting. And, I mean, there's just so many different levels of what needs to be done that, that it's not there. And, and it's never been, it truly hasn't ever been there. So that's just the situation, in, just the way the situation is right now. We're talking with Adam Gladstone, a baseball executive over his life around the game, former minor league umpire, also video review person for the Orioles when the first year that baseball went to video review. We're talking with Adam about some of the issues concerning the Baltimore Orioles. Um, you were the first person that mentioned, I'm going to out you as the first person that mentioned <laughs> Billy Ripken. As a as a name that you would strongly consider as manager of the baseball team, I don't think you have any great insider info on that. But could you tell our our listeners here and the folks watching on Facebook Live why you think he'd be kind of the perfect 
guy to be the counter Buck Showalter? Sure. So, so I had the opportunity to work with Billy in 2000 when, in, in, a, in a brief history, Ripken Stadium was originally built for the Atlantic League. Mm-hmm. And in 2000, before the stadium was, was built, we ended up uh, fielding a team that played at Hartford Community College that participated in the Atlantic League. At that time, managed by Daryl Evans, uh, pitching coach was Rick Wise. And during the All-Star break, the Major League Baseball All-Star break, Daryl had the opportunity to go back to Atlanta, where we all know he played, sure. and participate for the three days over the All-Star break. And, and at that point, Billy came in and managed the club for three days, and he and I flew up to Long Island. And I watched him come into a situation where he had certainly been around the club. This was only two years after he'd stopped playing. He had certainly been around the club to know the ins and outs, but just the way that he interacted for player number one, the star player on the team, down to the 25th guy on the roster, it just really opened up my eyes of how intuitive um, he is, in the, obviously, in the game, his the pedigree, the, the, the stuff that he's learned from his dad and from his brother. And the other thing that, that really made sense to me was, here was a guy that if I told you played parts of 12 years in the big leagues, many people would be surprised by that number. But he needed to do everything he possibly could to stay at the major league level. And what that tells me is, you know, if you were to take Cal and Billy, the game came easier to Cal because of Cal's physical attributes. The game didn't come as easy to Billy, so Billy had to find everything in his power to be successful. And I think he would have the ability, because he'd been around his brother, who's a Hall of Famer, to know how to interact with him, who's a Hall of Fame type player, all the way down, to be honest with you, to the player that he is that 25th man on the roster or, you know, the guy that for a couple of years would be the starter, but he was your, you know, your super utility guy. So he really opened up my eyes. And then you, you add on, you know, look, he went and he also remembered, let's not forget, he did coach in the world baseball classic. Mm-hmm. He was part of Joe Torrey. I think it was Torrey's club. Uh, Torrey was the manager for uh, team USA. So he certainly has that in him. And, and I think would want to do something like that. Um, but then you, you couple that with his experience on MLB Network and having to know what all 30 clubs are mm-hmm. doing, prepared to do. I, I just think it's a huge asset. But his teaching ability, and let's not kid ourselves, whoever comes in is going to have to be a hell of a teacher yep. and is going to have to relate. And these guys, we always talk about this. These 25 guys are sitting on that bench, and they look down at the end, and they take a look at who their skipper is. You have nothing but respect for what Billy Ripken has done in the game. We're talking with Adam Gladstone. Adam, one of the trickier parts of that thing, and, and as, as you, you were the first person to mention Billy's name to me about five, six weeks ago, and it's percolated and resonated more and more with me. The, the one odd part of it is I think if there was a Ripken that we thought was going to play a meaningful role in the Baltimore Orioles organization, uh, the name Cal Ripken resonates first but I agree with you that Billy's the right guy for that job. With the relationship the Ripkins have with uh, one Brady Anderson, could you see Cal finally being invited into the fold in maybe a, I'm not talking about a ceremonial position, but kind of like how George Brett is a, a vice president sure. in Kansas City, uh, and suddenly that gives your front office 
a little bit of clout and, um, you know, people take notice a little bit. Uh, absolutely. There is a role. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Cal's got HOF after his name. Yeah. He, he grew up like, <laughs> like Billy did. So there is certainly a role for Cal Ripken within the or- Orioles organization. I don't think it's as a manager on the field, but, but and, and let's, let's also know, Cal's got more business opportunities than Billy does. Sure. So I think if you were to put Cal in that special assistant to the ownership or special assistant to the general manager or special assistant to the president of baseball operations that allowed him the flexibility to continue to do his and fulfill his business obligations while also being able to work with yours. I, I will tell you a story, and I heard this um, back when I was actually left the Ripping organization, that when Cal decided to retire and Peter Angelos did not want a Ripken-owned team right. to, be, to be an independent league club, they wanted an Oriole affiliate, they created a spot so that we could, they could, we could have the Aberdeen Ironbirds. But one of the caveats of that deal was, even though Cal and Billy were the owners of that club, and even though those guys knew more baseball than anybody else in the baseball operations department for the Baltimore Orioles, they were not allowed to come in and work with any of the infielders or, or any of the position players, or, or anybody, for mm-hmm. that matter. That was up to the player development staff that the Orioles had in place. And it just goes to show you how you have these resources that need to be tapped into. and. Yeah. Look, they obviously love teaching the game to the youth, but they have so much. They, the both of them have done so much at the professional level. I think it would be a perfect scenario. And let's be honest, if Cal had something to say to the manager of the Baltimore Orioles and it's his brother Billy, yeah. Billy's going to listen to it. So if I were in, in kind of wrapping up this time and letting me go back, you know, I do this show called After Bird Watching. I have a feeling that that's what you're doing down at the beach today. Uh, yeah, but not after you're in the midst of bird watching. Correct. Uh, if I were, if I were to say that three months from now it's announced that uh, Brady Anderson is going to be president of baseball operations with special assistant Cal Ripken Jr., uh, a general manager of be it Ned Coletti or somebody you know a veteran or, or, or Ned or Ned Rice or Ned Rice. Of a somewhat experienced guy in the in the role of general manager, and that Billy is the manager. You think I might be onto something? Well, here let me let me throw this out there. Yeah, one of the things that we haven't discussed, and I don't know how much time we have, and I'm trying to be. We as got about possible. we got about two minutes. All right. One of the things that is being lost in all this is the Orioles organization. Take the baseball side out of it. Yeah. Whatever moves they make need to do something that's going to entice the fans to come back in sure. and want to watch. And if you were to include the Ripkins here in Baltimore, that's, not, that's going to be a win-win on the baseball side, but it's also going to be on the business side. And, and you and I have, have had these talks of how personable uh, and how Billy has the ability to dumb it down and, and make everybody feel, like I said, from that superstar down to that 25th man on the roster, to feel that they're an integral part. He can do that for sponsors, because I did it with him. Mm-hmm. He and I did that hand-in-hand in, hand in Aberdeen. And, and for him to do it at the major league level, based on what he's done, I think it would be a huge coup to get both Billy and Cal involved, not only on the baseball side, but also on the business side of bringing the sponsors and bringing the fans back in. Uh, fascinating uh, to listen to the uh, scenario as we lay it out. Uh, really appreciate your spending some time with us. 
you back in town next week? Absolutely. I yes. may I may grab you again uh, or talk to you during the week about helping me g- get a couple guests. Craig Heist going to be out for a few weeks with uh, uh, Phil Wood recovering from surgery, and uh, he's doing that Mass and Nat show. So sure. uh, I'm a, I'm a man down. So I'll talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and uh, the weekend with your family. I always appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Adam Gladstone, uh, one of the smarter guys I talked to about the great game of baseball, and we appreciate him joining us. Uh, Somebody else who's passionate about the Orioles, and that's our theme today as we went from Rich Dubroff to Adam Gladstone, Andrew Stetka coming up next. Andrew is the son of Bill Stetka, the longtime PR director of the Baltimore Orioles, and Bill is now a head of alumni affairs for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, but Andrew writes for Masson, and he also writes for the Utah Street Report, um, which is the Ravens 24-7, the baseball slot of that. Uh, Andrew Stetka does a good job. And by the way, Andrew Stetka, if he's retweeted this, that he's going to be on the show, and I hope he has. Is he there? He's with us. Andrew, how are you? Hey, Stan. How's it going? It's great. First of all, i got to tell you something. I knew I was getting a knowledgeable baseball guy when I had you on a couple weeks ago and you came into the studio. You must have retweeted it a couple times, and you must have quite a, a, a social media following. We had more views of the show that weekend than we've had ever. <laughs> well, I do my best to, to get the word out whenever right. I'm appearing or writing somewhere or, or doing all that. Well, so you're I'm, good. I'm glad, to, glad to give a bump. You're a good man. You're a good man. Uh, just had Adam Gladstone on, and I'm sure you know Adam a little bit, don't you? Uh, I've, 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 we've kind of circled each other a little bit, yeah. Yeah, Adam's been, been in the game a long time, former minor league manager, and um, He's uh, also worked as an executive for the York Revolution for a while, the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Then he was Buck Showalter's video assist guy uh, the first year of video replay. Uh, And now just uh, works for Under Armour a little bit. And um, he still has a fondness and a passion for the Orioles. He's the first person that about six weeks ago mentioned the name Billy Ripken uh, to me as the guy that he thinks would be the perfect manager for this baseball team moving forward at some point uh any thoughts along those lines or have you sort of uh, hunkered down that bucks our guy or you've got several others that you think are uh more highly um uh, coveted uh, your thoughts you know I, I when i first heard the name billy ripkin i was i was definitely a little puzzled by it it didn't yeah. seem it, it seemed like something completely off the wall but Honestly, you know, I'm I'm not the type that says Buck Showalter has to be around. Yeah. Um, when 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 things are going this poorly as they have this season, uh, in my mind, no one's job is safe, yeah. and and that includes Buck. Um, except and, the, and that's except the really, director, you know, except the director of alumni affairs, he should have. No well, yeah, hope, hopefully that's. <laughs> <the case. laughs> um, but of course, you know. That's not to say that this is all Buck's fault. No, but in this in this kind of situation, you know, I just think anyone is 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 possibly on the chopping block. Um, and 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 when I first heard Billy Ripken's name, I thought, well, that seems a little crazy. But the more it's kind of sat with me over the past week or so, um, the more it's kind of seemed like, why not? Um, and that's not to say that I'm I'm, I'm advocating for that either. I, I just I think more than anything, the Orioles, what they need is direction 
above that position. Um, and that's something that they still don't really have. They don't, they're, they're not a club right now that, um, you know, at least externally has announced where they're going in their front office. I think we all kind of recognize and, and realize that, that Brady Anderson will be a part of this thing going forward in some way, shape, or form. We just don't know how or, or, or in what role. Um, I definitely think that he's going to have probably a similar role as to what he's had in the past few years. But what exa- how exactly that's defined is unclear. And then, you know, with, with Dan Duquette, of course, his contract is up just like Buck Showalter's. Nobody really knows, you know, if he's going to be around. I definitely think he's going to be around for the rest of this season or at least through the trade deadline yep. to kind of set things in motion. But um, I definitely don't think that there's any world in which both Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette are going to work together moving forward. I think we've, we've, we've realized that that relationship has been pretty tattered over the last few years, and, and, and I don't see those two working together going forward. So even beyond the manager position, and that's not to discount what a manager does, but even beyond the manager position, for me, I'm looking for more direction from the front office and more of a, more of a philosophy of, of what exactly are we doing here. How are we building this club to make it better? How are we infusing young talent into the system? Um, and, and what's being done to, to turn around what has been not just an abysmal season this year, but obviously last year did not end up where they wanted to as, as either. You know, the, the most interesting thing about the Billy Ripken uh, thing is, is kind of working backwards from that a little bit. Normally you put your, your front office people in place, but the, the clumsy thing that, that would seem like it could occur is if the Orioles somehow ignored Cal Ripken hire Billy Ripken as manager, and somehow Cal is not part of this. Uh, that, that would seem kind of clumsy. And then I go backwards and I say, you know what? If Brady is kind of more the president of this thing, which is how I'm seeing it unfold in my mind's eye, his best friend in baseball is Cal Ripken Jr. Might Cal fit in here as kind of the George Brett of the Orioles, you know, the special assistant to the president with then a, a kind of a workman-like general manager that handles a lot of the baseball grunt work, so to speak. Um, you know, th- that's how I'm seeing this thing play out. Well, similarly to how we haven't really heard anything from the Orioles front office about direction or, or, or future, we haven't heard anything from Cal Ripken either. We no. heard some things a few years ago about how he might be interested in a managerial position. There were even rumors about him uh, taking over one of the many vacancies that the Nationals had yep. as the manager, um, and he kind of dispelled all of that. But we we don't we don't really know what the desires are for Cal Ripken. I, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, he wants a role in the front office. Uh, maybe he wants to just let his status as a, an Orioles legend be that, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. You know, that, that's, that's something that's kind of unclear um, to everyone at this point because he hasn't made it clear. Um, if he came out and said, you know, he would want a role, I'm sure the Orioles and the Angelos family would, would create that for him. Um, they, they, you know, they seem to be able to create any kind of role they want what, to, what uh, it, w- w- any kind of position name that they would want to, and, and I don't see why they wouldn't, uh, be able, wouldn't be able to do that for, for Cal. Would it would it immediately give the organization? I don't think people are going to think that. Wow, Cal Ripken's part of the organization again. We're going to be back as a contender tomorrow. But would it resonate with the fan base in a meaningful way? Do you think? 
I think it would. I think it would perk up interest, uh, at least in the short term. Now, there's obviously a lot of risk there involved, too, because, and, and not just for, for the Orioles, but for Cal himself. Sure. Because if, if Cal comes in and is part of, part of this front office or, or perhaps part of – I know in the past people have, have clamored for, for Cal to become part of an ownership uh, group with this team. If, he, if, he's, if he's involved with the organization in any way, and, and I, I obviously mean more so than just as you know, having an ownership stake in, in one of the minor league affiliates up in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. but if he's, if he's involved with the big league club in any way and, and, the, and things don't go well on the field and the team is not successful, you know, that can, that can potentially be damaging just to his, his reputation. I don't think anything's going to tarnish his legacy as an Orioles legend, but, um, but, but to your point, I do think that, that it would resonate a little bit with the fans at least and, and get, get some excitement going for sure. More on the practical today stuff, um, how much is the team being hurt by its, its being quiet on all this stuff and sort of almost playing it as, well, we know we got a lost season here, so what's the rush? Do you think fans are, uh, will get the buy-in when they want to clue us in on what's going on? I, I, I do think that the biggest problem right now with the Orioles, outside of, of losing all of these games, is is the silence. Yep. Uh, I do think that's the biggest issue. I think if the Orioles were to come out and say, look, you know, in a statement to the fans, whoever it might be, whether it's the, the ownership group, whether it's Dan Duquette or Brady Anderson, um, right now fans just want to know kind of who's making these decisions, yep. who's in charge, and, and who is, is doing it going forward. Who, where is the direction? And fans don't have that right now. That's what's really frustrating. Um, if if somebody was to come out with the team and say, "Look, we know this hasn't gone the way anyone wants it to, um, but but we do have a plan. Here it is. Here's what we're thinking." Um, and, and and even you know they don't even have to set a timeline. Um, you know, I think fans are smart enough to recognize that this is going to be a few years. Um, but if if you know if if somebody were to come out and say, "We know this hasn't gone well." And we're working to fix it. Bear with us. I think that would go a long way, just to you yep. know, to telling the fans that they they recognize that there's an issue. Uh, the, the the right now the radio silence is is not good. It's not something that uh, fans appreciate. Um, and 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 no one's expecting the Orioles to come out and pull something off like the Houston Astros or the Chicago Cubs did a few years ago, and and really just go in the tank for a few years, and then all of a sudden come out the other end with a World Series. Um, that's really hard to do. I know a lot of fans would love to see that happen, but at this point, you know, you just want to be able to recognize that you know that there's a problem and 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 communicate with your fans about it. And the communication is is, is the biggest thing to me. And the fact that there's been silence on all ends, um, I think that's what frustrates fans the most. We're talking with Andrew Stetka. He writes for Masson. He also writes for the Utah Street Report. His dad is a former PR director of the Baltimore Orioles. Andrew lives. In Arizona, works in the news business, but has a passion for the Baltimore Orioles. Andrew, before we let you go, uh, one of the most practical matter is uh, how the Orioles extract as much value as they can from these uh, free agent chips. Where do you stand on that? Who do you think will go, and do you think the Orioles can still get uh, a mini haul for, for Machado, Britton, and maybe Brock or Jones? Well, I think mini hall is is the biggest um, 
that's kind of the biggest, <laughs> the biggest uh, emphasis I would put on that right yeah, now. Yeah. Honestly, I think Orioles fans need to temper their expectations for what is going to come back in any trade. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, excluding if they are to put a guy like Dylan Bundy or Kevin Gossman on the trading block, which I don't think they will do. Mm-hmm. Um, but any of these players who are on the verge of, of, you know, being a free agent like Manny Machado, Zach Britton, um, Adam Jones, perhaps, uh, I, I think Orioles fans need to temper their expectations. They're not going to, this is not going to be a Glaber Torres for Aroldis Chapman type of situation like the Cubs and Yankees pulled off a few years ago they're not going to get that top tier prospect that's going to be you know game changing for the future um but at this point the orioles just need to extract whatever they can best offer for for some of these players um and i to me i i definitely think they'll trade machado and get what they can uh where he'll go is beyond me there's you know you're going to hear rumors over the next three four weeks about the diamondbacks the dodgers the cardinals uh, the Yankees and Red Sox, I'm sure there will be a lot of rumors surrounding those two teams, the Braves, the Phillies, the Brewers, perhaps. There's there's going to be a lot of teams kind of in the mix and a lot of rumors surrounding those, you know, Manny Machado specifically, just because he's the big fish. But to me, the guy I'm paying most attention to and most interested in just from a uh, a personal level and a sentimental level, and I'm actually writing about him uh, this Monday at sports.com, is Adam Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really curious to see what happens with Jones because not only is there, you know, not only is there potential for for a trade there, and, and he would have to obviously accept it with his ten and five rights, but there's a lot of uh, you know sentimental value with Jones and a lot of legacy to, to protect there with Jones as well. And, and the decision's really his. I mean, if the Orioles want to try to trade him, if they can find a market for him, they can. But if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he doesn't have to. And um, there's just a there's, there's a big tangled web there to, to kind of unpack when it comes to a potential trade for him, and I, I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to watch over the next three or four weeks. All right, there he is, Andrew Stetka of um, Masson and uh, Utah Street Report. Andrew, always a pleasure to have you on. We'll reach out to you as July unfolds, all right? All right, Stan, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Enjoy your day. There you go, Andrew Stetka. Uh, knowledgeable and uh, passionate about the Baltimore Orioles. I'm knowledgeable and passionate about Big Bats. That's right. Let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar, located at 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. Steve Garland's Big Bats is the place to go on the way down or back to or from the Eastern Shore. There's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. Great place to watch the O's, Nats, uh, and in-season the Ravens, the Redskins, the Wizards, the Caps, uh, University of Maryland. It's a great place to go, and you can sample some of the best bar grub around, whether it's sandwiches, salads, soups, or subs. All there for you at Big Bats Cafe. Get a free sports physical and see Cal Ripken Jr. at the LifeBridge Health Sports Training Fair on July 10th. Athletes can get a sports eye screening, participate in sports-specific drills, and see the latest in protective equipment. Visit lifebridgehealth.org slash sport event to learn more. I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. What are they all about? Well, this is very cool. You can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool. So let's just say you're like us, maybe you're 
you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today. Invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat $4.99 fee for the entire league. Not per person, just $4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup football picks. It continues MLB playoffs. They'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. Rory's Story Cubes is the original that started the Story Cube movement and inspired creativity and storytelling across the globe. And they come with every Chick-fil-A kids meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Chick-fil-A kids meals are all around $5, including the kids' chicken strips, kids' nuggets, and kids' grilled nuggets. Text the family right now and announce that it's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square tonight. That's at 5198 Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham. Tell them that Glenn and Kyle said hi. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KOO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. In the market for a used car? Stop. Stop looking at used cars and go buy a new Mitsubishi from Jerry's. New Mitsubishis are more fuel efficient, have the latest safety and comfort features, and come with a 100,000 mile warranty. And during Jerry's red, white, and blue sale, new Mitsubishi Mirages start from under $11,000. Plus, new Mirages get 35 miles per gallon city, 41 highway. Do it. Visit Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road and online at jerrysmitsubishi.com. Price plus tax tags and freight ends July 9th. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray, at PressBoxOnline.com. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback on this uh, latest edition of Press Box that will be on the streets for uh, all of July into the first uh, 15 days of uh, August. Uh, we are about to make our connection with Josh Soroka. Is he? He's up with us. 
All right. Joining us now is uh, the head honcho. I think that I'm not offending Matt and Bert, but the head honcho of Section 336, he joins us now, and that is Josh Soroka. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm sure that'll offend Matt because he thinks he is the head honcho, uh, but I do all the work. All right. So, I know, well, sure. I know that. You're, you're at least the technical advisor, uh, the vice president of all things technical surrounding Section right. 336. Yep. Uh What's been the tenor of the discussions on Section 336? I've, this, this, um, this weekend, I found out that I wasn't going to have my co-host, so I went in a totally different direction, having on five people who care passionately about the Baltimore Orioles, and you're one of them. Uh, well, thanks for having me. The, uh, the, it's, it's a, we're on this waiting game now because I think we've gotten past the fact that none of us expected this type of season. Uh, we don't quite can't quite explain exactly how it went wrong all went wrong right and now it's this waiting game of can they rebuild in a short time what's going on in the warehouse will they screw up the Manny Machado trade uh so what do you think where where do you see in your crystal ball uh, Mr. Machado winding up for the last uh, eight eight or nine weeks of the season? I see I see the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers make the most sense because they should have made big moves. They're, the Dodgers are always hesitant to make big moves. Right. And I think by now they've got to be regretting it because not making the big moves has cost them the past couple of years. Uh, yeah, one of the reasons I think they've wanted to do that luxury tax reset, um, what type of package could you see us getting? Have you, have you gone to those great depths of, uh, you know, of where this, where this could play out? No, and I won't, yeah. I won't go to that because it's going to be disappointing for Oriole fans, no matter what, because we, he's a rental and it's a short term rental and. I think the fact that there's so many teams in the NL East, or in especially the, in the NL, especially the NL East, that are still in the run-in, that I think that should help out with whatever type of package. But I think the days of big packages for a short-term rental are over, even if it's Manny Machado. We're talking with Josh Soroka, Section Three Thirty Six, and um, there's a player. There's a player that is on the Dodgers in the Dodgers organization and he he really he's now 26 years of age I believe and he's an outfielder and you might say well we got plenty of outfielders but one of the things the Orioles really don't have is they don't have a guy who would make a really good leadoff hitter and this outfielder I'm talking about is Andrew Tolls uh, who came up a couple years ago uh, and it's interesting, I'm just reading up on him now. He's been out with a hamstring injury, so fit nicely in with the Orioles. Um, right. He hasn't played, oh, geez, a whiz. He hasn't played since mid-April. All right. Anyway, that might be more, more why he'd be va- uh, available than why he'd be valuable. Um, do you remember Tolls at all? He was, uh, he was there, I think, three years ago, two years ago, when the Dodgers made that run that ended against the Nationals? Uh, no, I don't remember him specifically in his, his trading. I mean, with the, with the Dodgers, the name you always hear is Bueller, and they're not going to give him up for a rental. So I really, 
and just kind of just sitting back and waiting because I really don't think we're going to be happy with what we get from Machado. Yeah, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. What about the other other names we're hearing? Uh, we've we've taken kind of a, a, a the temperature on people how they're feeling about what the team could get for Britain. Has Britain at all convinced you that he has value? Um, we hear mixed things now as to whether he's lost an incredible amount of value or it's just simply he's still highly thought of, but it's just a quick rental. Yeah, it's, I think he's highly thought of. He's a quick rental. Again, it's a guy we blew trading him. I'm not worried about Britain's struggles coming back. I, think, I don't think that's going to affect his trade market that much, as much as just the short time period that you get him. Because that type of bullpen arm, anyone will take that, and anyone would. But again, it's a bullpen arm. You're not going to get a whole lot. Uh, what about, do you see the team uh, putting Adam Jones, you know, actively trying to talk him into accepting a trade because he's got the 10-5 and five protection? Do you see that as right. something that could happen? Yeah, it's something I would like to see happen, and not even for the Orioles. I'd like to give uh, give Adam Jones a chance to go win a ring. So give, trade him to one of these contending teams. I don't know where he would fit. He's He's got to accept the fact that he's not a center fielder because I don't think there's a team that would put him in center field outside of Baltimore. But on the other hand, I would love to extend Adam Jones. Granted, he moves out of center field. Okay, and uh, last but not least, Brad Brock. Yeah, uh, I think Brock's similar to Britain without the history. So you're not going to get much, but he's a he's a, a reliable arm that would play really well, probably especially in the National League. We're talking with Josh Soroka, Section 336. Josh, um, one of the things I wanted to talk, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was to talk a little bit from the fans' point of view. Uh, I know you you do the broadcasting thing with the podcast, Section 336, but you, Bert, and Matt are really at your core. You're really fans. And I know you speak to the fans, and I know you talk baseball all the time uh, in your social lives and all that. How much has the quiet uh, from the warehouse long-term hurt the team, or do you think it's something that will quickly be gotten over by the fans if the new reset and plan makes a lot of sense to fans? Fans, I think it's hurt relationships, but I also think that fans are very uh, finicky and will change their mind quickly so i think that where it's hurt a lot of fans you just make one good move and fans get excited i think the warehouse made some great preseason moves in february march with the kids focus and the, the focusing on that aspect that i thought that was going to win fans back i think the quietness and how they're handling the buck and dan situation has hurt some fans, mm-hmm. and and I don't know where I don't know because you look online and it's all anger, and but then when I talk in real life and go around and talk to fans, you've got the diehard long term fans who have seen this before, yep, and are irritated and probably the most irritated, 
but they stick it out. And then you've got all these fans that have just became Oriole fans within the past five years, and are and it's a losing season, so they're bailing. And I'm not really worried about those fans. Those are not the fans that I speak to. Right. I uh, I want those diehard fans that have the same passion that me and Matt and Bert have. And the whole reason we we do this podcast is not because we wanted to get into broadcast, and it's because we're fans and we cannot stop talking about the Orioles no matter how the season goes. By the way, the player I was talking about, Andrew Tolles, he's played in 26 games this year for AAA, uh, the Dodgers uh, Oklahoma City uh, franchise, uh, and he's batting 327 with a 375 on base percentage. In 2016, at the major league level with the Dodgers, he played in 48 games, and he batted 314 with a 365 on base percentage. In that same season, in 82 games, 349 plate appearances, he batted 331 with a 375 on base percentage. He was acquired by the Dodgers from Tampa Bay. So this is somebody that clearly Andrew Freeman thought pretty highly of. And, you know, I guess the Dodgers have had bigger name prospects, but he seems to me as part of a deal he wouldn't be a deal breaker for the Dodgers at this point in time at 26 years of age. Yeah, no, I, and I love the idea of a leadoff hitter added to this team, and I like the idea of a young outfielder like an Adam Jones was when we got him Right, that we can then, again, build this team around. We're talking with Josh Soroka, Section 336. Josh, how have you programmed – uh, Section 336 this season. Have you had to do anything differently because of the sort of um, interest? People are interested, but they're interested in driving by a car accident on the highway. They're interested in looking at it and gaping at it. Uh, how about the, the program of Section 336? Has it been different or difficult? Um, it's been – it's always different because, again, we're fan-driven – so it is always goes by the tone of the fan, and, and the fan's tone, just like our tone, changes week to week. So we thought that this was going to be a fun season. Yeah. Instead, it's a frustrating season. So the tone definitely changed to the point of just us kind of getting out our frustrations. So this past week, it was, let's deal with the fact that Manny Machado did not run the first base. Right. And, and how do we handle that as a fan base? And what are the different views? And... and what would we do differently if we had any control of this team? So it's uh, it's therapy for us and therapy for Oriole fans to get through this season to just talk this out and talk out our frustrations. I think that's a good, I think that's a good a good approach, no question about it. Does it strike you as almost unbelievable? We we know what this team was. We know what its deficiencies were after the two. 2014, you know, straight sweep by the Kansas City Royals. We've always known the flaws in this team. They seem to address some of the pitching needs. It, it's just staggering to me that including the last 23 games of last season in which they finished up 4-19, and that this club in its last 104 games is 50 games under 500. they They're 27-77. and 77. That's almost like numbing, mind-numbing. Right, and it makes it doesn't make any sense. There's been some injuries. 
I don't know how Scott Kubal still has a job on this team right. with the way that Hinton has changed in September and never came back. I don't know how you handle a guy like Chris Davis who says he's working all offseason on improving and then doesn't improve, and then you have weird comments about, well, he didn't really work out. Right. So I don't know how you don't look at this stuff and say, all right, there's a coaching problem. I'm not saying it's Buck. I am a Buck fan. I would love for Buck to stick around past this season, but there is something missing and some type of disconnect in how this team is playing baseball right now because they are not the same. They are the same players, but they are not the same team that we have fell in love with. You know, it's interesting you use the word there. They're not the same team. I'm wondering with all the personal – look, listen, Manny Machado, when I use the term personal uncertainty, uh, it's not like Manny Machado is either going to leave or become destitute or something like that, but there is the personal uncertainty of a Machado, of a Jones, of a Britain, uh, to a certain extent scope in that he, you know, he's aware he's going to lose his best friend. Um, and then you've got the general manager and the manager. Um, it, do you think that uncertainty about people's jobs is part of this whole, you know, mess, for lack of a better word? Uh, no, I don't think it's uncertainty at the job. I think that we had this team that was surprising everyone. Uncertainty. Uh, hold on one second. Uncertainty is the wrong word. In other words... I always like to use the analogy, Josh, of a team putting their oars in the water in the same direction. You know, everybody's pulling in the same way for the good of the team. Do you think it's a possibility that everybody's a little more focused on self than team? That's exactly where I was going. Okay. Yes, 100%. All right. So, uh, Because we used to have this team that, that just had fun together and enjoyed each other and had good veteran leadership. And now we've got guys like I. No one can tell me that moving Manny Machado to shortstop was the best move for the team. Terrible. There's move. no way it was. Yep. And I think we've seen this year that Manny Machado is not as good at, as a shortstop as a third baseman. Right. I know he's got the range, but he is ranked like one of the worst defensive shortstops in the American League, and he was the top third, third baseman. baseman. Right. Then you're seeing in the outfield, you're, you're seeing weird personnel moves with not putting outfielders in the outfield. And it's, it's, it's irritating, but it's, it's trying to get home runs in the outfield, and that's screwing things up. So I know that's irritating Adam Jones, who just wants to win. Right. And then that makes him look worse because we all expect this huge range from Adam Jones. So I know personally that's got to be bothering him. Right. And I'm sure that there's irritation with Buck and Duquette because they don't know where they're going, so they're checking out somewhat. So I think I think you lost a lot on this team this season, you, you where lost, it became you, self. You lost the team part of team, you know. Yeah, you really did. All right, Josh. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Section three thirty six. Tell our listeners and Facebook followers uh, that are watching how they can see se- section three thirty six. All right, it's section336.com or on Facebook, Section336, or iTunes, Section336. Just type in Orioles and Section336 into anything, and you get us, and we're just three uh, 
diehard fans, lifelong fans that just talk Orioles and get out our stress each week. And I know it's available on all those things. If people want to watch it, when it's going on, when does it occur live? Monday nights at 7.30 p.m. on Facebook.com slash Section 336. All right, my friend. Thank you, Josh, for coming in and giving your thoughts on this. All right? All right. Have a good day. All right. You too. Josh Soroka from Section 336. And again, I'm looking at players from the Dodgers that are not – listen, the Dodgers are going to probably be in a knockout dragout for first place, uh, you know, battling with the Arizona Diamondbacks and seeing how they can rise above. Or is Clayton Kershaw going to be back to being Clayton Kershaw? Can Walker Bueller come back and be something meaningful the rest of the season? But they're not giving up pieces that are very valuable to them uh, to obtain Manny Machado. So I look at, uh, you know, it's interesting. I thought two years ago we could have gotten Ross Stripling uh, from the Dodgers in a deal for Darren O'Day uh, a couple years back, but now Stripling has become a key member of the rotation for Los Angeles Dodgers. It's ironic we're talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers because joining us now is one of the Orioles' biggest fans, retired columnist, uh, journalist, excuse me, journalist, uh, Mike Janowski. And Mike, uh, how are you and how are things in L.A.? Uh, everything's about the same. It's always the same out here. Gotta ask where, you. where it's not the same is is when I turn on the TV at 4 o'clock, then it's not the same. Hey, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of uh, baseball or anything because we had you on to talk Orioles, but uh, your thoughts on what took place in Annapolis the other day? Uh, yeah, that was kind of horrifying. Um, but I do think we have to be careful here not to conflate this particular episode with um, some of the others because a lot of the details are very, very different. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it will be easy for many people to say, here's another example of workplace violence, and that's true, uh, but the details are different, and, and you can't use this as an excuse to start screaming about things that are very important to us because you have to look at these things individually. On the other hand, um, uh, a violent act against against journalists, uh, well, I, you can't necessarily connect it directly to a lot of the, uh, the vitriol we hear from high places in our country. It, it certainly does seem to suggest that when you define uh, the media as enemies of the American people, it certainly gives people some a degree of, of cover to yep. carry out whatever they want to carry out because yep. they've been told uh, they're fighting enemies of uh, American society. Yeah, there's obviously somebody very uh, mentally unstable, but uh, so we don't know what voices he's hearing, what what is you know resonating with him and it's quite possible there is a, a connection there yeah i mean and that's the essence of of the political argument about whether whether the issue has to be addressed uh at with guns or with mental with mental illness um and you know presumably you have to deal with both but you know it's it's too easy to say it's one or the other without factoring in all kinds of things. Each of these incidents is different, yep. even though they appear to be the same in, in how they're carried out to some degree. But it's a very difficult issue in our country, and um, until people with some political spine stand up and say we have to do something, anything, yeah. 
to take a look at this. I'm afraid things like this are going to happen. All right. Mike Janowski is on with us, and that was supposed to be the hard topic uh, today. <laughs> uh, now we we turn to the idea of fixing the Baltimore Orioles. Oh. Uh, I know you're out in Los Angeles, but I guess are you in – I know we've dealt with this before, but I can't remember. Are you in a zone where you can't watch Dodger baseball? Or you it's can't? not a zone. It's when the, when the Dodgers are sold and they made this crazy TV deal. Right. They created their own sports network, and because there's um, there, ha- there are carriage charges that the major um, – Conveyors of of content didn't want didn't want to uh, add it to their um, to their programming. So unless you were part of this one company, uh, three quarters of the population here in Southern California has no access to watch the Dodgers. That is it's still it's insane because yeah. what I think basically what they're doing is they are eliminating the possibility of creating the next generation of Dodger fans because. Yeah. Because it's very expensive to go to a Dodger game, and um, if you you know your allegiances are built by watching your heroes on TV. So if you can't watch them, you have no. I mean, frankly, I don't know very much about the Dodgers. I'm sure year. that's what I was gonna. I was gonna ask you who we should be trying to get from them for Manny Machado. I, I but couldn't, you tell couldn't tell you. Tell I really couldn't tell you because yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't have. Certainly, I don't have. Even though I've I've been out here now twelve years, I don't have any emotional attachment to them. Um, and um, in a in a statement of of high degree of um, of um, animosity from others out here, sacrilege. I never liked Vin Scully. Right. So I do I, remember. You know, I was. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I couldn't I couldn't create an attachment to the Dodgers. They just they weren't part of my DNA. How is that? Is that changed at all for you with new radio voice? Nah, I don't listen to them on radio either. Right. I, I just, they're just another team to me. I mean, I know more about the Angels, because when the Orioles come out here, I'll go down and see them play in Anaheim. And I follow the Angels a little bit more, because they're in the American League. But, uh, uh, you know, getting, drilling down into minor league prospects and all that, I, I, don't, I don't know. And frankly, everything is such a crapshoot in baseball anyway. I mean, there's, everybody's screaming about, let's have the worst record so we can get the number one draft choice. Well... You know, how often does the number one draft choice wind up a superstar as opposed to the number two draft choice, if either of them does? So, you know, I think the baseball draft is is so, so less scientific than football or basketball. So, I, you know, I don't know. They seem to like these two guys. They they drafted high the Orioles high up in the most recent draft. Yeah, but but they, you never they know. Might, they might not help us for five years though. Four or exactly. five years. Yeah, we're exactly. talking with Michael Janoski. Mike was a uh, writer for the Baltimore Sun, the New York Times, the Miami Herald, uh, and rediscovered his love for the Baltimore Orioles. What about six years ago? Oh uh, no, years? more than that. When uh, my first tour in Washington. I started watching the Orioles, and then I, I moved around the country a lot. But I always, I always made sure I had the baseball package uh, uh, from Directv, so I always kept in touch with them. And I just kind of wandered back to them. For example, I missed the entire Cal Ripken era because I was traveling so much and <laughs> covering things all over the place. I and I never had time to watch baseball, so I, I completely missed his career. <laughs> unbelievable! Unbelievable! Uh, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for a hello in here. 
my on my Facebook page, Bob Iback, who I'm sure you remember. Oh yeah, he sa- was a colleague at the Sun. He says it's good to he- hear your voice, and he had something he had he had written me right at the beginning of the show when I said you'd be on here, but it's disappeared from my feed. Something oh. about can you still palm the ball, um, you know, go through the lane like you used to. Oh well, Bob was the basketball player. I was, uh, you know, I just played on the playgrounds. Um, the only thing I could really palm was a tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> now, was Alan Goldstein, was he a basketballer back then? Yeah. 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 We, we, in fact, uh, Goldstein and I used to cover the bullets together. Sure, I remember that. And uh, a lot of times they would, they, would, uh, they would have their practices. I don't even know if the, you would know more than I. Whether there was an old gym on... In, uh, in Mount Washington, called, right? It, on, on, I think it was Rogers, Rogers Avenue. Avenue, yeah. I don't it, think that exists anymore. Uh, well, think. that's just as well because I remember we used to play pickup games um, before the Bullets practice. The writers and we had a lot of fun. John Sterling. Sterling. I was going to guess Sterling was in that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Elbows Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know sometimes the players would wander out and they and I can remember one time Wes Unseld played with us for a few minutes. But there was a, there was always at the left side of the key on one of the ends there was a dead spot on the floor. Right. So you'd be dribbling on that side of the court, and then you'd put the ball <laughs> down, and it wouldn't come up. <laughs> That's great. A great story. I remember. I wasn't quite old enough to be part of that, and plus, I wasn't in the media at that time. But I always remember hearing the legends of uh, the basketball games with guys like you and Sterling and and uh, Bob oh, yeah. Ibach. That was yeah. that was fun. That was that was they were days when the you know all these walls between you know the team and the people who covered them weren't so high yeah you know yeah it's really it was, kind of distasteful. you got to know people a little yeah. bit better yeah we're talking with Michael Janoski and we're talking a little Oriole baseball and Mike um, you know I know you're three thousand miles away but you watch all the games just about your wife thinks you're crazy for doing right. so um, where would you start. If you were all of a sudden called by the Angelos family to sort of, hey, Mike, we really want your take on what we should do. Yeah, uh, you know, I was thinking a lot about that this morning, knowing I was going to chat with you today. You know, what 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 strikes me really is there are six pending free agents. Machado, Jones, Britton, Brock, Duquette, and Showalter. So the last two are the people presumably making the decisions about the future. Right. But we don't know if they're going to be part of the future. And they don't and maybe they do, but they haven't said anything publicly. Yeah. I think what this team needs to instill some confidence to fans, at least to give the fans some hope that there is a future here. Um, some confidence by saying either we intend to be back next year. The two of us, you know, in whatever our positions are going to be, we will be a part of this organization going forward because then I think that will give people confidence to know that whatever they do will be in the best interest of the team going forward, which is not to say they would take a, um, a softer approach given the fact they might not be a part of what they are trying to create. But I think you have to give some sense of stability some sense to, to relieve some of the uncertainty. The players, you know, I suspect that, that Machado, they'll, they'll deal him for the best deal they can get. 
The other three, I don't know. The, the pitchers certainly haven't done anything to enhance their, their trade value. So conceivably, we could lose them and, and not get anything for them. Right. Uh, Adam Jones, I, of all of them, believe it or not, and I, I'm the biggest Manny Machado fan there is. I mean, I think he's a special player. He comes around once in a generation. You just don't see guys like this that often. For all you know, all his warts, he's still a great player. Uh, I would hate to see Adam Jones leave. Um, you know, I don't live in Baltimore anymore, but I know he's he's deeply involved in the community. He does a lot of things uh, for and with the club on behalf of uh, civil rights and and educational programs and helping kids. I, I think his loss to the community would be greater than as a center fielder. Yeah, I would love to see them somehow make him an Oriole for life and keep him. I mean, I, I conceivably he's a future front office guy. Yeah, um, he. I think he means that much to the community, and I think he does it selflessly. He doesn't shout about it and say, "Hey, look at me." And I think those are the real heroes of the community. I think that would be a huge loss. You know, Manny's a guy; they'll get some players for him, and life goes on. Um, but I, th- I think the front office has to give people a reason to care again. So, I mean, I, so last I, night I watched, I thought, I thought that was the, the saddest uh, addition of the team I'd seen all year. They just look forlorn. Yeah. I mean, they just look so defeated. I can't disagree with you. I mean, and it, and it happened rather quickly uh, as soon as Trout batting number two yeah. hit that monster shot. Right. Uh, you had a feeling uh, it was going to be a long night for but the Orioles. But it's just the way they, the way, I don't know. I, I, I was so impressed by Atlanta and Seattle. I love the way those teams have been constructed with, mm-hmm. you know, with speed and guys who take chances. They run the bases well. They hit in bunches. They move runners up. They play situational baseball. And, you know, what fan wouldn't say to you that every time one of our guys comes up, they're saying, just, God, I hope he hits a home run. I hope he hits a home run. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with you. That's a very one-dimensional. Our team uh, has been, even in its successful days of recent vintage, has been a very one-dimensional offense. And yeah. it finally reared its ugly head. When I asked you the question, if the Angelos family called you in and said, what would you do? But what would you do if the exact opposite is the case and they would tell you, hey, what would you do, but we're not having Dan and Buck back? Uh, what would you do then? Because I, think, I, don't, I, think I, either think one, I don't think either one is going to be here. Well, if that's the case, I, I think for the sake of the future, because the future is the next six weeks. Yeah. I mean, they really have to figure out how they're going to reconstruct this team. And, and frankly, the, re, the fruits of that will not be born next year either. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they're so far into the weeds um, in terms of player development. And, you know, there are no superstars in the waiting. And I, I think the perfect example, I mean, everybody talked about how Cisco was going to be the next great Orioles catcher. Right. And, you know, they're just, there's the four, I mean, uh, I appreciate uh, uh, Joseph's uh, kind of veteran status as first among equals, but, you know, is there one of them that's hitting, you know, 10 points either side of 200? I right. mean, they're all the same to, to me. Um, I think if those two guys, if, if Showalter and Duquette are known to the ownership as going to leave, that they're not going to, this will be their last year, I really think, in a dramatic way, they should move out now and, and yeah. get people in 
who are going to make the decisions to be with the team, who are going to be with the team for the next five years. Um, I know they love the team, and I know they want to do everything they can to to uh, solidify their legacy, such as they are. Um, but I think you have to give people, you really have to turn the page and give people a reason to hope yeah. and get some fans back in the stands. I yeah. mean, the crowds are pretty sad. Well, they're down 30% in a Is that what it it's is? 29, 29%. Uh, yeah, that's uh, terrible. I, yeah, it is terrible. And that just, that helps perpetuate the inability to go out and make bold moves. You just, you, you can't. You just don't have the uh, financial wherewithal. One one last thing before we let you go is there is there long term damage? You've been around sports for a long time, and you've covered uh, many many different big time sports. If they let Dan Duquette, and it sure appears that they are, you know, navigate through these waters of the next thirty or forty days uh, before the trade, thirty days before the trading deadline. Um, is there real danger that you're letting a guy that's not going to be a part of your future decide part of your future? Well, that, that was my point. I mean, yeah. you don't know if – I mean, here's a perfect example. I mean, there were – what was it, two years ago when, when he, he had one foot out the door and he was headed to Toronto, right? right. Now, I'm not suggesting this is fact. Right. But, but, but you know, in things – in politics and sports, you know, perception equals fact. Mm-hmm. So if if he has an if he maybe in the future has another job lined up, and he makes a deal that people say, well, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. I don't know how great that deal is. You know, it's very easy to assume. Well, you know, his heart wasn't in it, and right. I'm not saying it's not in it. Yeah. I'm I'm talking about perception versus reality. I just think this franchise is hungry for new blood. I th- I think. Um, the construction of the team, I think it has to be totally blown up. Yeah, I agree. And, 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 and built with guys who forget the home runs for a while. Let's find guys who hit singles and doubles and take walks and have great pitch recognition and, 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 and are strong defensively. I, I, I just think you can't keep doing this. Oh, he hits home runs, but he strikes out 200 times a year. I mean, it just doesn't work. Uh, before we let you go, Bob Iback has been sending me messages on my Facebook, uh, on the Press Box <laughs> Facebook page. He says, you were part of Do Nothing Row. Yeah. And he threw out a couple other names, Kent, Kent Baker and Bill yeah. Free, as guys that played. And it was at the old University of Baltimore gym there on Rogers Avenue. There you go. But Iback was the star. He was... Yeah. I think he played some college ball. I mean, he was he was good. Yeah, I'll bet he, he was, was a good player. Uh, we were just Humpty Dumps. Hey, one last thing, you know, whether real or imagined, I'll never forget in the seventies uh, when the New York Yankees made a couple a, tr- a big trade with the Cleveland Indians and acquired Greg Nettles to play third base and Chris Chambliss to play first base, and they were both there for about six or seven years. They were traded by Gabe Paul. And then the next year, Gabe Paul to came the, to, the Yankees. to the Yankees. Yep, yep. That's, uh, a, that's sort of what I mean. Yep. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect example of what I mean. Yep. And I'm not accusing them of any malfeasance or bad behavior or anything. I just think percep- it, in it's a perception. A bad, it's bad context. optics. The optics are bad. The optics are bad. That's right. right. I think they really need to, I, I think they need to clean us. And let me just say before you kick me off. Yes. This, I give them a lot of credit for dealing with a starting pitching situation. Yep. I mean, by and large, they made they made some good decisions. 
the problem is this team is has turned in a, a gothic season like none other. I mean, they, there's no run when there's a great, a good pitching outing. There's no run support right. when there's run support. The pitching stinks. I mean, yeah. everything that could go wrong this year has gone wrong. All right, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm sorry it's turned this uh, gothic as you said. Yeah, I w- they've ruined my summer. They've I know. destroyed my entertainment. I know. And you and I don't have that many summers left. <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks. Always a pleasure to be able to reach okay, out to Stan, you and get some smart point of view. All right. Thanks. There's Michael Janowski. All right. Let me tell you about Big Bats. Let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar. That's right. Located at 216 St. Clair Place in Stevensville, Maryland. Whether it's on the way down or back from the, o- from the eastern shore, no place better to stop, relax, and eat. It's a great place to watch the O's, the Nats, when their seasons are on, the Wizards, the Caps, University of Maryland, and sample the best bar grub around. And I guarantee you they got World Cup soccer on down there now as well. Whether it's sandwiches, salads, soups, or subs, think Big Bats Cafe. Again, first stop over the Bay Bridge if you're heading down to the Eastern Shore is Stevensville. Come up to the stop sign, make a left, and about a quarter of a mile down on the right, you can't miss it. Big Bats, it'll uh, win you over. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with the 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listener if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and I might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. That, that, Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron and Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Get a free sports physical and see Cal Ripken Jr. at the LifeBridge Health Sports Training Fair on July 10th. Athletes can get a sports eye screening, participate in sports-specific drills, and see the latest in protective equipment. Visit LifeBridgeHealth.org slash sport event to learn more. And we are back to wrap things up on this edition of uh, the Batter Round. We appreciate all of our guests today, Rich Dubroff, Adam Gladstone, Andrew Stetka, Josh Soroka, and Michael Janowski. Uh, thanks to Brittany Everett for keeping things running so smoothly. Once again, our best wishes to Phil Wood on a speedy recovery after surgery. Uh, we'll be a man down here on the show because of it. Uh, Craig Heiss has some responsibilities with the uh, Mass and Nat show on Saturday mornings, but we'll get through it. Uh, listen, uh, Ken uh, Zalis and Sarita tomorrow, along with Kyle Ottenheimer on the Fantasy and Reality Football Show, Glenn Clark Monday through Friday, 10 to 12 on the Glenn Clark Radio Show, and we'll be back next Saturday with uh, the Batter Round. Again, no after bird watching tonight after the game at, that should end around 7 o'clock, but we will uh, have more after bird watching tomorrow uh, late afternoon. All right, 4.05 start time today. Remember, if you want an Hawaiian shirt, you better get there early because there's only 35,000 of them. We'll see you later. Have a weekend. Mm-hmm.